Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a Porsche with no brakes, I'm invincible, yeah, I win every single game, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. March 30th, 2023, welcome everybody to what, KT? The Women and Money Podcast, and everyone, everyone smart enough to listen. And what edition is this? The Ask KT and, and Susie Anything. Yes. All right. So she's back with us. Okay. Did, and no one wrote in that they missed me. No. Hmm. And if they did, Thanks, do you think everybody. I would? Do you think if they did, I would tell you? Do you think I would do that? Before we start, I want to remind everybody that today, March 30th, 6 p.m. East Coast time, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Webinar. I am doing a webinar, and we already have 50,000 people who have registered. And so they that, keep signing up. It's going to be really popular. It's popular. It's so that one. is today, March 30th. To register for free, go to suzyorman.com slash webinar. Okay, KT, what, right. what do you got for me? First one is from Deanna. Hi, Susie. I'm almost 55 and my husband is 52. From 2011 to 2019, I went through a horrible custody battle, which cost about 250000 It wiped me out financially. And to be able to support the legal situation plus living expenses, I had to use my Roth, my traditional IRA, my kids' college savings, my savings. I sold jewelry. I just needed all the cash I can get. It finally ended in 2019. So she said ever since her husband, meaning her new husband, and she finally paid off the debt about a year ago. But this is the part that's really sad, Susie. We save, but then something comes up where we have to take chunks out of our savings, car issues, medical issues, putting kids in sports that cost so much we had to pull them out. Right now, we only have $10,000 to our name. We just can't seem to get past that amount and keep the savings going. How do we break through that? And we don't live an expensive lifestyle, Susie. Any advice you can give us, we will take. Deanna, first of all, let's put things in perspective here. You spent your life savings, your kids' college education, and everything to do what? 
to essentially get custody over mm. the most priceless children that you wanted to keep in your life. I think, truthfully, if you look at it in perspective, that is such a deal. Mm, such a good. deal because of what you ended up with. Now, with that said, you cannot look at what you spent and regret it on any level. There is a law of money. Look at what you have, not at what you had. And that applies to everything in life. You had those accounts. You had savings for this. You had that. Now what do you have? Custody of your children. Small price to pay. Next, in your email, you use the words, we can't, right? We only have $10,000. We can't seem to do this. You have got to change your thoughts to change your reality. As you know, another saying is, be very, very careful about what you think, because what you think you eventually say. Be careful about the words that you use, because your words become your actions, your actions become your habits, and your habits become your destiny. You have got to think greater thoughts than you are thinking. You have got to create a new truth for yourself which isn't one like you're doing right now. I can't do this. I never get ahead. Always something happens. For the next six months, I want you to make a promise that every single day you will write down 25 times. You will say it silently to yourself 25 times. You will scream it in your car 25 times. The following. I have more money than I will ever need. Anytime you get afraid and you think that you can't, let your thoughts tell you that you can. Also, just so you know, we do have a course called Overcoming Your Financial Fears. I'm sure it's on the Women in Money app. Under Susie's shop, it's something that you might look at. That's what I would be doing if I were you. I would look at what I have. I would not look at what I had. KT, next question. Okay, from Gabriella. Hi, Susie and KT. Love you guys. <laughs> I like these. I then, want. Then why didn't you write in and tell KT how much you missed her? Yeah, Gabriella. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering how to find dividend-paying stocks and tell if a dividend-paying stock is worth its weight. I did invest in the oil one, but now I'm looking to diversify. Good, because you should be diversified. The last thing you want is to be only invested in any of those oil stocks. I still think over the long run, oil, the price of energy will go up, but you definitely want diversification. I have to tell you, one of the best ways for you to get diversification easily is by simply buying the Schwab U.S. Dividend Equity ETF. Symbol is S-C-H-D. They're at about $71 or $72 a share right now. They're paying about a 3.5% dividend. If you reinvest the dividends in this ETF over the past, I think, 20 years or 10 years or something like that, this ETF actually outperformed the Standard & Poor's 500 ETF 
as long as you reinvested the dividends. Their expense ratio is only 0.06%. So that is how I would be doing it without getting totally educated. That way, if you dollar cost average into it, you now have time to look at what does it take to get a good dividend stock. And just briefly, it has to have good management. It has to have positive cash flow. It has to have good earnings and all of those things somewhere. I did a podcast on that. Next question, my dear non-missed. That's that's not nice. Does it hurt? They they did miss me. Of course they did. But I get sick and tired of Where's Katie? I miss Katie. (laughs) She's the main reason I listen to this podcast. All right. All right. This next question is from Lynn, and I call it Where, What, and When. She said, Dear Susie, help. I'm a newly unmarried woman. I love that first line. Newly unmarried, meaning she just got a divorce. I moved to a new state, Colorado, from California, and I'm currently renting a home. I'll be selling two real estate properties in California and netting about 160000 I have 16000 in cash. I have credit card debt of 33000 And she has three interest rates, so probably across three cards. And then she says, where do I put my money? What to invest in first and for how long? T-bills, Alliance CDs, or Series I? And when should I consider the purchase of a primary resident? So there you go. All right, my dear Lynn. I know, KT, you picked this because Lynn is your twin sister's name, right? Not necessarily. I just love the where, what, and when. Where do I put my money? KT, what is one of my absolute laws of money? When you have just been newly unmarried. Do you remember? That's a no. You can say no. Okay. Just I don't say, remember. <laughs> that's fine. Don't look at me like, tell me, right? You don't remember. I'm I don't okay. remember. All right. No problem. You are to do absolutely nothing, nothing yeah. but what, KT? You still don't remember. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to do anything for about a year until you get yourself settled in. Right, KT. You are to do absolutely nothing other then keeping your money safe and sound after the loss of a loved one for at least six months to one year. And a loss could be death, it could be divorce, whatever it is, but nothing other than keeping your money safe and sound. You just wrote this email into asksusiepodcast at gmail.com, which, by the way, is where all of you would write in when you have a question. And if KT chooses it, we will answer it on the podcast. So it is too soon as to what should you be investing in. So where do I put my money? Well, the truth of the matter is the first thing you do, because it is not safe and sound to have credit card debt. So the very first thing you're going to do is you are going to pay off $33,000 of credit card debt. That will leave you when you add the $16,000 in cash that you already have, $143,000. For now, if I were you, I would just put it somewhere that I feel safe and sound that obviously 
is if you choose a bank, would be FDIC insured and or a credit union, obviously Alliant Credit Union. Now, the first thing you always have to do is now figure out how much does it cost you with rent, with every single bill that you have got to pay? How much does it cost you with the must-pay expenses every single month? You want to times that by 8 or 12, either one. And that is how much money you need in an emergency savings account so that if anything ever happened to you, you would have enough money to pay your must-pay expenses for at least eight months to one year. After you have done that, then really you need to start thinking about, do you want to buy a home? Do you not? So just be easy where you put this money. Again, as you know, I love the Alliant Credit Union one-year CD at 5%. Series I bonds, I have not decided yet if I want people to invest in them by April 25th, right in there. So shortly, I will know depending on inflation. But I'm not sure in your particular situation, I would want to lock up money for five years. So chances are I would not be doing that. When should you consider the purchase of a primary residency? As soon as you feel secure, you're happy, you know the neighborhood that you want to live in, you know you're going to stay in Colorado, you know those things for sure, but do not be in a rush on any level. So keep your money safe and sound. That would be in either CDs or T-bills or money market funds or money market accounts that are all paying a nice interest rate. But that is what I would be doing if I were UKT. And keep those credit cards clean, clear, no debt. No debt. No debt. Now, you pay for cash, put them on your credit cards, pay it in full at the end of every month. All right. This is a great question. This is from Irene. Hi, Susie and KT. Can I open a Roth IRA for my 16-year-old if she works a summer job? Now, I didn't know the answer to this, but Susie, tell everybody what the deal is with with, um, opening Roth IRAs. Oh, should that have been your quizzy? Well, I wasn't sure. You have to have earned income. Pop quizzy. Pop quizzy. Okay, wait. Wait, this is the pop quizzy, everybody. Right? Pop quizzy means KT just asked me a question. Now, all of you, how would you answer that question? Can Irene open a Roth IRA for her daughter who simply has just a summer job right now? Yes or no? And if she can do that, what is the maximum amount that she can put in? So the answer is yes, if she has earned income that's reported. But let me just say, some kids get a summer job where, you know, they cut, they mow the lawn. Does that they count? Get, no, it doesn't count because they just get cash. It's not reported All income. All right. So truthfully, KT, ding, 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 oh, ding. Good. But yeah. the second part. The second part is that. Right, remember the, the maximum that you can put in if you are under 50 is $6,500 a year. So what is the maximum that Irene's daughter could put in? 
$6,500 a year. <clears throat> Wait, she's under 50. I know. Yeah. That is the maximum, but there's more to it than that. Oh. Right. <laughs> Irene's daughter can put in, because obviously it will be a custodial Roth IRA, because mm -hmm. Irene isn't 18 years right. of age yet. The maximum you can put in to a Roth, regardless of age, is 100% of your earned income or $6,500 a year if you're under 50, $7,500 if you're 50 or older, whichever one is less. Ah. So if Irene's okay. daughter is only making $1,000 in she earned income, the maximum she can put in is $1,000. KT, next question. <laughs> All right, this is from Mary. Hi, Susie and KT. I know you like short questions. That's why I picked this one, Mary. So I'll try to keep it short. I also and sweet. like short women. That's that's true. Well, that's you only know? recently true. Oh that's my me. god! That's me. You kept in short since the day I met you, right? But you've had some girlfriends that are a lot taller than you. And did I say I like them? No, don't, let's not. Let's continue. Wait, let's KT, con tell them the story about my mom. Because KT's oh, about 5'2", just so I'm you five know. I'm 5'2". I'm Susie's, like 5'5". Five, five. Susie's right. mother was like, you know, 4'11 four four or something. 4'8". When she was in her 90s. So one day, she looked at me one day and she looked up. She said, you know, KT... When I was young, I was tall like you. Well, Susie laughed probably for a week over that one. <laughs> my mommy was 5'4", though. My mother was a little bit less than I am right now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And when you get old, you shrink everybody. Yes. You kind of crumble up. You crumble up. Okay. So, so, stand Mar up. so Mary's question is, I'm going to be 62 years young in 2026. I was married for 19 years to my ex-husband. And I've never remarried. My question is, should I start collecting on his social security? Or should I wait until full retirement age? So she was going to start collecting when she turned 62 in 2026. What my, should she do? My dear Mary, since you were going to be 62 in 2026, that means that you were born after 1960, which means your full Social Security age happens to be 67. Mm -hmm. So if you take his Social Security, half of it, at 62, you will have about a 30 to 32 percent penalty on what you would have gotten if you waited till 67. Mm -hmm. If I were you, I would wait till I was 62. Seven, if you can. As long as you're healthy, you know you're going to live, hopefully, a long life. It is worth it. And by the way, he doesn't have to be collecting his Social Security for you to get it. You will, however, only get 50% if you wait till you are 67 as to what he would have gotten at his full retirement age, whatever that would be. Susie, this next question is from Sammy. Hi, Susie. Thank you for sharing your superb knowledge. <laughs> My husband and I have an account at a bank with six CDs and a savings account. The total value is $450,000. 
I just put all the accounts in our revocable trust. I thought this would be higher protection for the balance. I just followed up with the agent to make sure everything was okay, and she informed me that we're only covered for 250000 because it's considered one account versus a joint account. I'm so perplexed. Should I put half the money in the trust? Please help me. So I just um, want you to remind her also of the whole podcast you did on this topic. Yeah, on May 1st, I did a podcast mm, on great. FDIC and NCUA insurance for credit unions, how it works. I touched on it with the podcast I did with Sheila Bear a few weeks ago. I'm a little confused here because I'm not exactly sure. Did you take the six CD accounts and a savings account? And did you title each one of them in the title of the trust? Or did you take all of this money when it matured and took the money and put the cash that you had in these things in the living revocable trust? And within the living revocable trust, you bought one CD. Now, I'm going to assume that that is what you did. And if that is what you did where you liquidated your CDs, they had matured, and what did you do? You put that money in one living revocable trust. You have insurance for every single beneficiary of the trust. So if you have, let's say, three children and you have them as your primary beneficiaries after you have died, obviously, then you get $250,000 of insurance for each beneficiary within the trust, up to a maximum of five beneficiaries or $1.25 million currently, all right? So that's something that you should just know. However, if you titled all six individual accounts in the name of the trust, that's not going to work. Remember, FDIC insurance insures different categories. So you have a category of being single. That's one category. A category two is a joint. You and your spouse open up an account in joint names. You have an account as a trust and things like that. But if you just titled all six CDs and your savings account, in the title of the trust, the agent is correct. So therefore, figure out another way to do it. Retitle those CDs, one in your individual name, one in the title of the trust, one in joint, and things like that, and you should be okay. All right. Okay. Our last question is from Raquel. Dear Susie and KT, thank you for all you do. I don't know where I would be without you. And she said, my dad passed away recently, and my brother and I inherited his home, which is located in Texas. I live in Los Angeles, and we, we, the question that we're both asking, I guess she and her brother, what's the best way to sell the home so that we don't end up owing high taxes. Mm. Well, it's very important for everybody to understand the best way to inherit any asset from a parent or anybody is for you to understand that if that asset is in their individual name 
or in a trust for them. And you are the beneficiaries of that. Or they just leave that asset to you via a will or however you get it, as long as it's not in your name on title. So you inherit it you get a step up in basis as to what the value of that home is. So Raquel, if your daddy bought that house a long time ago for $100,000, let's just say, and now he just died and left it to you and your brother, and now let's just say it's worth $3 million, Mm. (laughs) you get a step up in basis to three million dollars. You turn around and you sell it for three million dollars. You do not pay any income tax on it whatsoever. Just an example there. What, KT? Is there a limit as to how long you can hold it when you inherit it before you sell it? Well, the thing is, you inherit it. Mm. You get a step up in basis. In this example, let's just say, you know, it went to three million dollars. Okay. All right. And now you're holding it, and now the real estate market takes off, and now it's worth $3.5 million. Now you would only get the $3 million as your cost basis. You would owe taxes on the appreciation of it. All right, KT. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, Susie. What do we want to tell everybody we want to remind them of? So everyone, I'm excited. Join us tonight. Listen to Susie's webinar. Are you going to listen, KT? Yeah, I've already signed up Because you it. know, KT, I really never know what Reed, who is the co-host with me, actually, what's he's he the gonna, host, what's what he he's ask going to you? ask. And by the way, I just want to tell everybody, because you have all been asking, finally, the must-have documents that we took off the market for us to update them, they are back on sale. So you might want to think about them again. They are $99. The way that you get them is by going to suzyorman.com slash offer, or they are on the Women and Money podcast app right there. However, today on the webinar, I don't know what the offer is. I'll probably ask Reed about it because that's up to them, but you might want to tune in and find out Mm. about that. I wonder if they're going to be doing an offer on the Women in Money book that I just absolutely renewed. You know, it's out again. Everything's new. Not everything. But but no, I mean, it's updated. It's updated. Yeah. Yeah, So Update, update, update. Hopefully they'll offer that as well. All right. So until Sunday, where I am going to finally do the podcast on calculating your net worth so that you really understand what your net worth is, no matter what happens, is going to be the podcast this Sunday. But until then, KT, there's only one thing that we want people to say every single day. And what is it? Today, wherever I go, I will create a more peaceful joyful, and and loving loving world. world. And if you do that, what will they be, KT? Unstoppable. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Like me. Unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to 
blurry I'm so confident Yeah, I'm unstoppable today Unstoppable today Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.